Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keen, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church on another beautiful day in Perth. We're blessed, right? We're blessed. Great to have you here. And if you're new, big welcome to you. We're so glad to have you with us. And everybody who is part of the family, thank you for your faithfulness every week. We just appreciate you and welcome you as well. Why don't we just pray together, everybody? And uh, Div already uh, led us in praying for Ukraine, but I would like to pray for the Ukraine right now. I think most of you know I've been to the Ukraine 19 times. That's a lot of times. So I know the Ukraine and I know Kiev extremely well. So very challenging for me personally and Sue, what's happening there right now. So Pastor Jenny and Vera's parents are there in their apartment right now. So if you know them, you've been with us over years. Uh, so let's just pray for them now. It's uh, really absolutely terrible uh, what's happening there. And uh, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will just intervene. And as we know, Ephesians 6 tells us we don't actually war against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual forces behind the whole deal that is working to bring destruction, which ultimately, you know, will bring destruction to uh, uh, Russia as well, or the mental health, and many Russians have family in the Ukraine. So it's really very, very complex, and, uh, but really, it's ultimately what's happening is demonic. So let's just pray. God hears our prayers. Hello, God hears our prayers. And uh, God hears your prayer. And we know when we pray here, the amount of miracles that we have seen in people's lives and families. And so why don't we just lift it to an international level this morning? And why don't we lift our faith and our prayers? And let's pray right now for peace in the Ukraine in Jesus' name. So Father, right now we just lift up, uh, Lord, the Ukraine, all the Ukrainian people, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your church there, Lord, that has risen so beautifully across the nation. Father, I just pray, Lord, right now, Father, let the enemy be bound. We just speak to the, the spiritual realm. We just say, devil, be bound in the name of Jesus over the Ukraine. We just pray, Father, let there be confusion right now. Uh, Lord, uh, any weapons raised against the Ukrainian people, let there be confusion. And Father, I just pray peace right now. Peace, Father, across the country. Lord, we just pray, Father, arrest Mr. Putin's heart in the name of Jesus. Let him be arrested, Father. And we just pray, Lord, he'd be stopped in Jesus' name. And Father, that peace might return to all that part of Europe, Father. We just pray that now. We just say, Father, let the enemy be bound. Let his plans uh, to destroy people, that's always his plans. We just pray, let that be bound in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just pray, help the Ukrainian people. Father, help President Zelensky of the Ukraine. We just pray, Father, he loves his people, loves his nation. We just pray, Father, help him now. Protect him too, Lord, from the evil one in the name of Jesus and all of his team. And we just thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers from Perth, Western Australia, God. And Father, that as we pray right now, Lord, Father, our prayers, Lord, they're hitting the heavenlies. And Father, they are having a great result. Father, we thank you for the, your word says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, it avails much. And so, Father, we pray fervently, Lord, let that, that attack cease in the name of Jesus. Let it cease in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father, for Genia and Vera's parents. 
And all the older people, Lord, we just pray, Father, protect them now. Give them peace, Lord. Father, they love you, and we just pray that, Lord, right now you'd be with them. And, Father, we pray everybody who stayed in the city, Father, just protect them now in the name of Jesus. We just thank you that you're the God of a great escape. So, Lord, we just pray, let your people escape, Father, the ploys of the enemy, and let them be free now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray for all of our family, Lord, here, Global Heart Church, all of our church family, all of our friends, Lord, everybody who's part of our family here, Lord, and all of our friends out in the community. We just pray, Lord, right now in this season, Father, be with everybody. Thank you, Lord, for your hand. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, even now, Lord, what the enemy means for evil, Father, that, Lord, you are raising up a people in this nation, Lord, who will, I believe, Father, in the days to come, not only touch Australia, but touch the world. So, Father, I just pray your blessing on every home, Father, your anointing on every home. Let Western Australia be blessed. Let Australia be blessed. Let us be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, Lord. So I pray, Father, fill everybody with your power. Fill everybody with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with a fresh anointing today. And I thank you, Lord, that we are not, uh, Lord, we're not the tail, we're the head. Lord, we're not the tail, we're the head. Father, with you, we are the head, God. And Father, I just declare over everybody's life right now in this season, victory in the name of Jesus. Father, let there be great victory in every life, every adult, every parent, every single person, every child. Let there be great victory. And Father, we just give you all the praise for it now. Pray, Lord, too, for Zambia and Germany and Melbourne. Lord, let your hand be on all of our campuses. Thank you, Lord, you're at work. And Father, we just pray, Lord, now, let them grow in this season. Let them be blessed in this season. Let there be miracles in this season. Thank you for the ones we've seen already, Lord. And we just, Lord, we just pull in the rest. And we just declare, Father, incredible breakthroughs for everybody in the name of Jesus. Could we give the Lord, everybody, a great clap of praise right for that right now? Come on. Thank you for some incredible breakthroughs. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Global Heart Church. Come on, Global Heart Church. We thank you, Lord. Come on, church. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, God. Come on, let's thank Him in advance. Let's thank Him in advance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Amen. Thanks, team. Why don't we thank our team up here as well, leading us. Thank you. Well, Friday night was a great night in the house. And you want to get hold of Davinia's message if you can. That was a powerful message Friday night. So uh, I love, I'm just grateful for our team. Uh, what a great team we have. Every one of them bringing something wonderful from the Lord. But Friday night, Davinia, if you weren't here, really brought uh, just some great insight, which uh, I think everybody would be really blessed by. In Jesus' name. So this season, everybody, right now, I've been talking and I just want to encourage you. Uh, by the way, seasons come and seasons go. Seasons come and seasons go. Don't ever lock yourself into this is my lot, this is my, this is it, this is all I got, this is all I'll get, this is my season. No, no, seasons come and seasons go. And the Lord wants us to be faithful throughout all the seasons. And uh, in Psalms it says, a faithful man or woman who can find. So, you know, God is looking for us to be faithful. And if we are faithful, God's people come through the seasons stronger. You come through the seasons stronger, and every season, when you get on the other side of that season, there is blessing awaiting you in Jesus' name. 
So I want to declare everybody, don't look too deeply at a season because they come and they go and beyond this season, there's great blessing for you in Jesus' name. But we need to be wise. And uh, the Bible talks about, you know, safety in the multitude of counselors. Just be very careful about where you get your counsel because the Bible talks about godly counsel and ungodly counsel. And uh, not all Christians give godly counsel. So we've got to think about that and think, ooh, hang on. I need to make sure that my counsel I'm receiving is always in line with the Word of God and is wisdom and that that person has fruit in their own life in Jesus' name. So, but my prayer and my belief for all of us is that you'll just come through all of this into bigger and better in Jesus' name. And uh, Zambia is certainly doing that right now. They're growing and increasing every week. And uh, Pastor Liam and Lisa are so excited to be back there and on the land. And we're just looking at all the future there now. So God has great plans. But what God wants to do, everybody, is uh, make sure that you and I have our kingdom purpose in God's house and out of God's house. The Bible tells us the main thing we are called to be doing and Jesus modeled it for us, is to be doing the will of God. And uh, the, what I'm heading into is, since last week and then into this week is that God's got a plan for you in the church. And then He's got a plan for you out in the community. Let me just say it again. I want everybody at Global Heart Church to get it. Because if you get it, it's very hard for the devil to get into Christians' lives who are walking in God's purpose. If you're not walking in His purpose, in God's purpose, the enemy... I think he uh, takes a lot of Christians out. He certainly, if he doesn't get you, he gets your children and grandchildren. The, 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 the devil will take time. If he's not getting you, but if he gets you to be a casual Christian, then casual Christians' children become Christian casualties. And they pay the price where God wants us flourishing. God wants you flourishing. And, uh, but he has a plan, and the Scripture teaches us there's a plan in the house, and there's a plan out of the house. Ashley Evans spoke so well, it's starting strong when he talked about God loves his bride, the church. He loves his house. And, uh, you know, once again, reminding us that if he came here and we, didn't, we were saying, I don't like Pastor Jane, he would say, well, then you don't like me. And so we need to realize God loves the church, so we need to be gracious and reverential and honoring of God's church, which is you and I together, all of us playing important parts in that church. So you have kingdom purpose. Jesus displayed this in John 4, talking about the will of God, when he said in John 4, in the New Living, I like it, it says, Jesus says the disciples, when they were, you know, all uh, talking about food and everybody being hungry and Jesus being hungry, and Jesus says, I got a kind of food you know nothing about. And in verse 33, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples uh, asked each other, they're thinking, somebody's got a snack pack to Jesus. I didn't see anybody bring any snack packs to Jesus. How did that happen? Then Jesus explained, my nourishment, let me say that again, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. The God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is, is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter 
and the harvester alike. So Jesus here saying to the disciples, no, 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 you guys are thinking in the natural. He says, but that which nourishes me, that which sustains me, that which feeds my heart, my soul, my spirit, my life, the real nourishment is from doing the will of God. My real nourishment is from doing the will of God. My real nourishment, that which is truly nourishing and truly important is from doing the will of God. The God who sent me and from finishing His work. Everybody, can I encourage you, the true nourishment that God has for your life is you doing God's will. Doing God's will. Is you doing God's will. Now the challenge for us is a lot of Christians, the moment we hear that, we throw it off into some distant ethereal realm when doing the will of God is practical. It's practical. It's practical over years, decades. Um, yeah. So now some I've got friends here. Some of us have been around. This is my 41st year. Graham's is probably longer. Is it longer? No. Jeez, 40. You're a bit slow, weren't you? <laughs> so 41 years in church. Graham's been 40. And so the nourishment and what gets you out of bed every day really is that we're doing the will of God who sent us. And I'm not unclear about that will. Everybody, if you're doing God's will, you're not unclear about it. If you're doing God's will, you're not unclear about it. You've nailed, this is what I'm meant to be doing in the house of God. This is what I'm meant to be doing out of the house of God. So, and then Jesus goes straight to talking about, make sure we're opening our eyes that as we serve Him, as we do His will, open our eyes because the fields are ripe for harvest. And uh, Jesus is saying, come on, the fields are ripe for harvest. We need to be reaching the lost. We need to be a global heart church. We need to be a soul winning church. A lot of churches love shuffling Christians around. They make it their goal by media and everything else. We need to go, Lord, help us, anoint us. That Father, you know, God's gonna add people to the church. Let that be a divine adding. But Lord, everybody else, help us to keep reaching the lost. Help our hearts and eyes to be focused that people out there right now, particularly in this season, I think uh, the world's been well rattled with everything that's going on, that we go, wow, what an opportunity to actually share our faith, to love people, and, uh, and, you know, to see people come to Christ. And uh, Jesus says, what joy awaits <laughs> both those who plant the seed and the harvester also. We don't know, sometimes we're planting seeds. You heard me talk about in Hebrews, when uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it says uh, the, the great men and women of God in Hebrews chapter 11, many of them died in faith, or all actually did, not ultimately seeing all the promises of God, though those promises have come to pass. You know that we will be planting seeds in this season here and around the world and in Melbourne, and we'll be planting seeds that we, in this life, we will not see the results fully of that. But those seeds are going on and they will impact future generations. That's why God teaches us all the time that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Why does God keep saying that? Some people think, well, that's so weird. No, he's trying to tell you and I, stop thinking small, stop thinking short term, because he's the God of generations. And the seeds that we sow now, the seeds that you sow from your life, your words, your service, your giving, all of that is producing a harvest that in fact, we may not see until generations down the track. So I'm that obsessed grandfather now, you know, looking at my grandsons, soon my granddaughter. Come on, people. And, uh, but I look at them too now, and it's not just with, hey, it's nice to be a granddad and you guys are cute. I look at them thinking, wow, God saw you uh, when I was a teenager. God knew you, you know, before you were even on the planet. What is God trying to do already? I'm looking at babies, really. What is God going to do through you? What does He want to do through you? But grandma and grandpa had to play their part. <laughs> grandma, sorry, Sue, nanny. <laughs> Get the right name there. But uh, we had to play our part in this generation, listen, so they can play their part in their generation. We need you to get that you need to play your part in God's kingdom purpose in this generation so that your friends, their children, their children, maybe you don't have children, you got friends, their children, their children, you're impacting people everywhere. But if you have children, so your children's children can play their part in their generation. Everybody, we need to not play around with our lives, but go, life is quick, help me Lord to play my part now. And look at this, Ephesians 2 verse 10. So powerful, this scripture, gee, it's, it's, it hits me in the heart every time I ever read it. It says, for we are His workmanship. Look at that, you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. Think of the greatest artist, the greatest sculptor. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for sitting down and just sitting in His presence. No, that's good, but that's to prep you for good works. God's got things for you to do, which He prepared beforehand. Wow. Come on, that which God prepared for you to do beforehand, that we should walk in them. God had a plan for you before you were born. At conception, God's like, wow. Here comes a great uh, Christian mother. She's going to impact her family for generations. Here comes somebody who's going to serve in my house. And through their service, many people who are broken and lost are going to come into the house of God, feel loved, feel welcome, and they're going to go on and serve me. God knows what's in you. He knows what He put in you, but so does the devil. I saw this, uh, you know, uh, in our own family and extended family, those who know Pastor Steve Kelly, who I've grown up with, been friends with for 47 years, so since our childhood, Steve's father is a great Irishman. He became an alcoholic, had a bar in New York. I don't know why he was on the run to Sydney. I have my own opinions, but I can't share those. 
But uh, he came with his wife to Sydney. They, actually, they were both alcoholics by the time they got to Sydney. Met my dad. They became our extended family. Uh, and, you know, they, be, they recovered from alcoholism. My dad never did. But my Uncle Bill, Steve's father, came here years ago. For those who are in church now for 20 years, you might have remembered. He came to church. And uh, my auntie had written a book on being an alcoholic and becoming a Christian and giving her story. And Uncle Bill said to me, I'm coming to see you and Sue, and we're going to be in Perth for a while. And he said, I'll come, I'm coming to church. And I said, why don't you talk about Auntie Betty's book that just came out? And he said, I will. And I said, he says, how long will I have? I said, hey, 15, 20 minutes, because what you say is going to be great. Uncle Bill got up. When he got up and spoke, I was just absolutely captivated by him. And then at the end, I said, if you want Uncle Bill to sign Auntie Betty's book of experiencing alcoholism and then getting saved, you can line up after church. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember him coming? Okay. No, that's fine. Anyway, the list, the line, sorry, went out. I had about 60 people in line. I was like, what? What? He's signing, not even his own book, he was signing her book. And when he spoke, it was so powerful. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, the devil destroyed my Uncle Bill. And really, he was called to be a communicator of the gospel. And here he was now in his 70s, getting towards the end of his life. And, you know, he was sick because of all that alcoholism that had done to him. He probably drunk for, oh, I don't know, nonstop 50 years. And... Uh, but I was like, wow, look at the gift of God, which the Bible says is irrevocable. He was actually called to communicate. The enemy got in and wrecked him and wrecked the family. Good news is Jesus intervened. And uh, all of them gave their lives to Christ, including the five kids. But he missed what he was meant to do. But in the last years of his life, boy, he gave it a good go making up for it. He made up wherever he could talk about Jesus, talk about God, talk about um, God's plan for you. And, but I realized, wow, you lost 50 years. And as I was looking at him, probably a little bit more, actually probably more, but when I was looking at him, I thought to myself, the Lord was saying to me, don't do the same. Use what you've got. He lost that. Don't lose what you've got. Don't lose the time. What's God put in your hand, everybody? What's God put in your hand? That, listen, you are famili too familiar about your own self. You are too familiar with you. Oh, it's just nothing. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do this. Anybody can do that. And God says, no, 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 no. I gave you that gift. I gave you that ability. I gave you that opportunity. I gave you that talent. Don't be familiar with you because God wants you to walk in the good works. Listen, that he prepared beforehand. It's so fun when you are walking in the things that God prepared beforehand for you to do. It's so fulfilling when you know in God's house, I'm meant to do this. By the way, in God's house, you start where you start. You start serving. I took the green bin out at youth every Saturday night. Whoop. That was the start of my serving ministry. But as you serve faithfully and as you mature in Christ and as you, uh, you know, make good decisions and as you, you know, commit and build God's house, God sees to it that your journey in His house grows and continues and God's bringing more opportunity to you. Don't stay at level one in God's house. Continue the journey to, Lord, what do you have for me? Um, 
few of you will be called to pastoral ministry, but you're all called to pastor. I'm talking about being on staff at a church. Everybody here is called to pastor and care for everybody. And I'm watching Sue in the midst of her, um, her challenge with her hearing situation that Sue's gone straight to caring and soul winning, but really caring for our neighbors because she's like, I can't do crowds, but I can do that person across the road and that person down the laneway who needs care. She's pastoring there. It's not necessarily here on the stage, but you will have a pastor on ministry because Jesus has called us all to care. Philippians 2.20, everybody, Philippians 2.20. This is such a challenging scripture for me, and I'm sure it will be for you as well. It's where Paul in the book of Philippians starts describing somebody in the New Testament, and he actually declares, he makes the declaration, I have no one else in the New Testament church like this guy. Can you imagine, can you imagine being the, or can you imagine being part of the New Testament church right in heaven and going, hang on a minute, Paul had no one else like this person. I'm so challenged by it because I'm like, Lord, help me to have, you know, help me to have a heart towards the character that Paul is talking about in Timothy who served him and enabled Paul to do his ministry in the church. By the way, everybody, when you're taking your position in God's house appropriately, you release the person in front of you, you release the leader over that area, over the church, into their, every time we release the person over us or release the leader into their destiny, the blessing of the Lord comes back on you. As you release that person, as you serve that person, they're able to do what they're called to do, and it always comes back. It's always reciprocal back onto you. So Paul in Philippians 2 says, for I've got no one else like him. Oh gosh. Who is so kindred a spirit. And look what he says about Timothy. Who will be genuinely concerned for your spiritual welfare. For the others who desert, deserted me after my arrest all seek to advance what? Their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. But you know of Timothy's tested worth, proven worth, and his proven character that he has served with me to advance the gospel like a son serving with his father. Oh, wow. Paul's saying, I got nobody else like this guy. He's saying all those around me, even in the early church, ultimately they're all after their own interests. How is it working for them? How is it working for their ministry, their life, their calling? And he says, but Timothy, he's not after his own interests. And his worth has been tested. His character has been tested. And here is how he, as Paul rounds it up here, he says, the outworking of what Paul has just said is that he has served with me to advance the gospel like a son serving with a father. Wow. Once again, family. Once again, heart. And, uh, and his character, so incredible. And he said of Timothy at the beginning, I got no Christian around me who's actually genuinely 
concerned for your spiritual welfare. Isn't that like, that's a tragedy. That Paul's saying, I've got nobody else in the early church around me here who's actually genuinely concerned in the spiritual welfare of others. Are you challenged by that? He's saying, I got no one else genuinely concerned for the spiritual welfare of other people. Everybody, let's say, Lord, help me. (laughs) Help me, God, to make my life and my time on earth, but also my life and time in your house, that I'm actually not just concerned how it works for me, but Lord, that I'm genuinely concerned about the spiritual welfare of others. How are they going? How could I help him? How could I help her? Jesus always saw the one. And our team knows I'm always driving them a bit mad because I'll say, how's so-and-so? How are they? And they're all like, oh. Because <laughs> I know Jesus cares about the one. How are they? How are they going? How are they going with the Lord? How could we help them? Everybody, if you want to grow and you want to be used by the Lord, be somebody who's genuinely concerned or growing in genuine concern for the spiritual welfare of others. And then say, Lord, help me to have that heart of the family where Timothy served Paul like he was serving his father. Wow, beautiful. Say, Lord, help me to have that heart. I'm not doing, none of us are doing jobs in the kingdom. It's not a job. It's a calling. It's not a job. It's a privilege. You know, uh, Timothy, there, when he talks about his proven character, this is another one too. Just another little thought. A character test that every believer will have to pass is when you get a promotion, what do you do with that? Sometimes people say characters revealed in the fire. Not always. I think characters more squarely revealed in the promotion. In the kingdom, it's in the promotion. What happens when they get that role? What happens when they get that? To God, everything is about motive. God's interested in your motive and my motive. Why are you doing that? When you serve, what, what's, what are you looking for? Why are you serving? Why are you doing that? Why are you taking that role? Because character test is when you give someone a promotion. It's interesting to see people in the fire, but give them a promotion and then just stand back and go, hmm. <laughs> because God wants us with the promotion to match it with humility, to match it with humility, to match it with grace, saying, Lord, thank you that you gave me the promotion, but Lord, help me now, whatever that promotion is in your kingdom, to match it with grace and humility in Jesus' name, always honoring the Lord for the opportunity that it's brought to your life for service. Everybody, what we do in God's house is, is determining a future. Just think about that. Who was the prophet? Who was it? The prophet, Doc Brown, Back to the Future. <laughs> Great prophet. <laughs> your, he said, your future is whatever you make it to be, so make it a good one. There's some truth to that. Because your future is being made and impacted by our choices. God's given us choices. But the difference to what he said is, if we make the right choices... God will make it a good one. God will make it a good one. 
And by the way, everybody, God doesn't do everything. People, some people are always thinking, oh, it's the Lord. Oh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I'll just let the Lord. Listen, if it was all just the Lord, we'd be totally passive. We'd be totally bored. We'd just be bored. Oh, it's all God. I don't need to do anything. Be bored. We'd be cynical. Oh, you know, leave it with the Lord. We need to realize that <laughs> it's not all fixed. God hasn't fixed every day in, in your life. He hasn't. He is looking for you and I to operate by faith. God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. But what we give God, He then works with. What we give Him, He works with. So you give it to God and He'll work with it. And, and even give God those things that haven't worked. Give Him your failures. Give Him your regrets. And if you're doing it with humility and saying, Lord, I just put my life afresh in your hands, then I just believe Romans 8, 28. Even that, when I give it to God, everything works together for good according to His purpose. Everything works together for good. God will make it work for good, whether it's in your character or your heart, God will work it for good in your life in Jesus' name. So it's not all fixed, everybody. Romans 12, 3 talking about the grace gifts that God has given us in the body of Christ. Did you know that God has given gifts to you and I for the body, for the church? In Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking to the Italians, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So right here, the Bible talking about the body of Christ, different members, different gifts. God's given a measure of faith to each one of us. And he goes on and describes having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Paul's saying, come on, everybody, all the Italian believers, let's use our gifts. Come on, everybody in Western Australia, having different gifts, according to the grace, the unmerited favor given to us, let's use them. If prophecy, let's prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let's use it in our ministering to people. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Right there, Paul's saying, listen, there are all these gifts that are given here and they're given to you. And they're not given to lay dormant. What's laying dormant in your life right now that it's laying dormant just because simply you're not activating it. What's God placed in you? He's given you a measure of faith. Have you noticed some people have like great faith and other people just seem to like, oh, I really struggle together. I think really there are different measures of faith. And we need those who have got great faith to be out leading the charge in some of the things that require faith. And, uh, and that's why the church can't go forward if those people aren't operating in that gift of faith. Also then, Bible talking about prophetic ministry. Let me encourage you with that. I think our team is quite prophetic. We just don't do it in a weird 80s and 70s way. When I got saved in the 70s and 80s, there were some unusual things happening in church services. 
and it drew more attention to the person than it did to Jesus. What we do here now is we're working to bring messages and bring, bring it in a way that is relatable, where you're hearing what is God saying now, but it's in a normal way that doesn't bring attraction to us, but brings attraction to Him. And also prophecy in 2 Kings 3, Jehoshaphat said, who's got the word of the Lord? That's an incredible scripture. Who's got the, where is the prophet? Where is the prophetess? Where are they? And uh, he, he says, I don't know. Just got this guy over here, uh, Elisha, who he stood next to Elijah and just washed his hands and, you know, had a towel there in case his face was dirty, cleaned him up. And uh, we got this guy. And then Jehoshaphat says, if he can do that, He's got the word of the Lord. 2 Kings 3, the determination of who the prophet was, who God was using to speak, came down to the person who could humbly stay with a towel, cleaning Elijah's hands, feet, face, whatever he needed, and waiting in service. It wasn't the person who could just spruik it out. So that's, have a look at 2 Kings 3. That'll help you with that. So then it goes on, let him who's, ministry, those who are called to help people come alongside them, those who are teaching the Word of God. Davinia, Friday night, she preached, but she taught. And I was like, there is a teaching grace gift coming out of Davinia, and she was bringing it, listen, to the body of Christ Friday night, and we all were taught. He who exhorts in exhortation, exhorts in courage. Some of you have the encouragement gift. Gosh, we love you. We love all you encouragers. There's a whole lot of you here, and the Bible says, that's a grace gift. You're a great encourager. Bring it. We need it like never before. But everybody, can I encourage you? Be inspired by an exhorter and encourage people with your words. He who gives. Some people are gifted to even and graced even to give beyond the norm. They're just, they, they're just called, called to do it. They're graced to do it. The Bible says, do it with all liberality. And he who leads, lead with diligence. If you're going to lead in God's house, you're going to be used in that area as an influence to, you know, over a department, over a home group. The Bible says, follow through with diligence. Follow through. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I like that. All the merciful people, the Bible's telling us, listen, be merciful. By the way, have boundaries. You need boundaries with mercy. You need boundaries with mercy. But sometimes when you are serving people, sometimes it doesn't all come back to you nicely. So the Bible reminds us, give mercy, uh, throw out mercy, love people, be merciful with them, with boundaries. Uh, but guard your cheerfulness because compassion can cause fatigue. Compassion can cause fatigue. Some Christians get compassion fatigue. Listen, take a break, put your feet up, get the jug on, have a cup of tea and say, Lord, fill me afresh emotionally, spiritually, Lord, just lift up this compassion fatigue so that I can, what do we just read? Cheerfully bring mercy to those in the house of God and those out of the house of God. Everybody, you got a great kingdom purpose. Hello, you got a great kingdom purpose. You have a great kingdom purpose. And I just want to remind you what Paul said, use what you got. Use what you've got. Use what you've got. Be inspired by other people, absolutely. But... Can I encourage you, use what you have got. Can we stand up? I'm just going to pray together. Thank you so much for joining us online today. 
Really great to have you with us, and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.